to talk about burnout last week as a favorite. Hang on. Okay. This it's uh, Friday night, Sangha. Glad to see you guys. Um, Anna, what did you say? You said that we were going to talk about what? You speak about technology and Dharma, and I really want to want to talk about uh, burnout as a failure. So, I mean, I would love to continue about complication of technology and somehow, I don't know, is it paradox? Or maybe it's exactly the same thing. I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't catch what you were saying, though, that we were going to talk about. You say burnout. Is that the word you used? We spoke about technology. If you would like to continue about. No, I asked you a question. What did you say that we were going to talk about last week? Last week, you say you, you said that you will continue to talk about burnout as a fa as a feeling of failure in helping professions. OK. I think that you're using the word burnout. Is that correct? Right. Okay. All right. Uh, what profession did you mention? Helping professions. Any helping professions. I'm from uh, therapy field, but I think any medical field gonna fall to the same. Okay. Um, the helping profession is where it got noticed. But in fact, it happens in all professions and it also happens in all jobs. Basically, you could go so far to say that the guy who gets fired got fired because his employer noticed that he had already gotten burned out. In other words, he became unproductive because he was burned out and that could have been on the assembly line. That could have been for a guy who changes tires for a living. It doesn't matter what the job itself is. And in fact, I would say that some professions uh, that are not helping professions are actually more prone to burnout than the medical profession, because the medical profession basically is well trained to where other professions <clears throat> are not. They put the kid to work without four years of college and an internship. They just put him to work. And so the medical profession is actually better off. Uh, and yet it still has this quality of burnout. So let's discuss what the what actually is going on there. I could actually answer the question in, in one sentence. But a, a, a simple answer is, is not understandable. And so let's let's get into the uh, the understanding of it based upon the teachings of the Buddha and uh, the way that uh, it looks like from the ancient days, because in fact they had burnout then. So what we're going to actually introduce today in that sense of burnout is what is referred to uh, in the Pali as the Brahma Viharas. Now, the Brahma Viharas, the word Vihara actually is used very commonly in Sri Lanka uh, to talk about the Wat. And what the word Vihara actually means, uh, heart and V means in. So in the heart or in the home. And so Brahma Vihara actually means in the home of God. In, in, uh, in Christianity in the West, they talk about 
the, uh, uh, the kingdom of God or the uh, uh, Basilica Theos is the word that's used in the Greek. Uh, well, hello, Alex. Hey, so, how's it going, guys? We're, we're talking about the Brahma Viharas, okay? So the Brahma Viharas actually have the quality of having arrived in a really, really good state when we have these things. Um, uh, it, it means that we live a, a kind of a sacred life, that the places that we go were holy places, that uh, everything becomes kind of sacred in the sense of the uh, the Brahma Viharas or the, the home of the gods. Um, that word Vihara, by the way, you can actually hear Har in it. That's um, the, uh, the Pali language is an Indo-European language and that makes it a whole lot easier to learn because so many of the words that we use in English actually come from the ancient languages. Victor, I think that your microphone is very noisy right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was muted. Sorry for that. So, um, let's go into the Brahma Viharas. There's actually four aspects to it. The first one is well known in English by now because Buddhism has kind of sneaked, seeped into the culture. And that is the word metta. Metta, karuna, mudita, and upeka. Now the word upeka is the one that we're shooting for. That's the question about the burnout is the upeka. So let's go in order through those things. And let us use uh, in today's talk the example, in fact, that Achantanissaro uses, and that is a doctor. Now we all in any profession in, or uh, non-profession, or even if we're not uh, uh, <laughs> not working at all. There, throughout our existence and our communications with other people is what this is really all about. And the, the way that the Buddha says is that if we can get the inside of the mind cleaned out and become friends with ourselves and stop hating what's happening to us and start enjoying our moments alone, <clears throat> then once the mind is friendly with it within, we can go out and practice the, uh, the Brahma Viharas on the outside. Now that would be ideal, uh, let us say for a monk, but for lay people, we only get maybe a few minutes of practicing metta or pr practicing friendliness. And then all day long, we've got to practice with all of this big crowd of people who don't know how to be friends with each other. Um, that in fact, at this point, I'd like to mention that in the suttas and in the Wat and in all of the various places in nooks and crannies, there's basically two different Buddhisms. One Buddhism is for the beginners, for the children, for the Western uh, adults. We start with that we have to teach um, what is called the precepts or the morality. Now, every culture has 
uh, teaching the precepts of morality. You can think of it as the Sharia law or the Ten Commandments or uh, maybe British common law or whatever. We uh, So every culture has a set of rules. And in Buddhism, they start the children with um, not killing, not taking things that aren't given to you, uh, lying or uh, telling falsehoods and um, sexual misconduct followed up by alcohol. Those are the primary points of the morality within Buddhism. And that we teach this to the children and any new people who come to the Wat. That in fact, almost all of the people come there because basically what we're saying is, is that without some sort of morality, we can't even have a society. That in fact, uh, the weapons manufacturers couldn't even manufacture weapons because the guys who were manufacturing the weapons would be killing each other with weapons before they got enough of them out. So most people are out here killing with their own bare hands. So that's the whole idea is, is that humans in their deep nature, because of their fear, are actually quite violent. Humans harm humans. We hurt each other. And so the very basic teachings of all the religions is don't kill each other. But that's not the actual teaching of the Buddha, but that's the baseline. We have to at least stop killing each other. And then the higher Buddhism is going to be that we're going to now make friends with them, whoever they are, that we don't have enemies, that we have friends and we see everybody as a friend. So this is the basic of metta, is that we can come to a point of being friends with ourselves on the inside, recognizing the arguments that we have interior in our own minds and say that we can, if I can stop those arguments on the inside, I can stop arguing with people on the outside. Because if I can't stop arguing with people on the outside, in this particular argument, somebody's going to get killed. You know that. Arguments will get worse and worse and worse and worse, and they'll get wor- until somebody wakes up. Now, why, somebody. Why? You're absolutely right. Why? Why we people want to kill? They want to kill because they're afraid to be killed. We don't like to be killed, and we see everybody else as dangerous. And so you could say, we um, could use the word preemptive strike. For instance, the war in Ukraine was because Putin thought that NATO was dangerous. And so he wanted to put a buffer in and other things like this. And so it was out no, of fear that sick. people this attacked. Person, this Pardon? person is officially sick. The, Mr. Putin is uh, psychic. But why no, is he? Mr. Putin is afraid. Saying that there's something wrong with his mind is like saying something is wrong with every mind of every human being, and I would agree with that. So we can't just go around saying that he's psychic or crazy or something like that. We can look a little deeper into it and recognize that it's because he was afraid of fear. The same thing happens in all fights, the street fights. That this new kid comes on the block and all the bullies become afraid. Maybe he's better than us. We got to go prove to him that we're better than he is. That it's, uh, it's always a situation of top dog and underdog. That we all want to be top dog, but we all feel underdog. And so we will attack and kill 
in order to to be on top, to be able to be a winner. So that's and what ignorance. That's what we call ignorance in the right. Exactly, exactly. So, so we start off very ignorantly, just like dogs are very, very ignorant. And that when dogs are around humans, they gain a lot of knowledge. They actually can cool off. But a wild dog is vicious. We talk about wild in the sense of um, <clears throat> uh, quite easily becoming violent. And we all are that way. In fact, some societies were labeled as barbaric. You know, barbarism. Actually, that just comes from the Barbary Coast. It was an area of North Africa where, um, uh, like Somalia these days, it was a bunch of pirates and they had boats. And But the whole word of uh, uh, point about uh, barbaric or primitive is that primitive tribes are, are uh, carry spears and swords and shields around all day long because it's dangerous all the time. Hundreds of years ago, before uh, guns were invented, everybody carried either a dagger that they concealed or actually walked around with a bigger knife, a big sword that they couldn't hide. And so they proudly wore it. Uh, and this was quite common that you didn't go out in public with, unless you were armed. In the United States, they've got almost the same mentality, except now everybody's got a gun. And it comes because we're afraid. There is fear. Now, here's the point. In many, many centuries ago, especially back in the way back when, that people were dangerous. But even before that, when before the only tribe that we knew was our local tribe, because there weren't very many humans around, at least still the animals were dangerous. Crocodiles were dangerous. Water buffaloes were dangerous. Uh, mammoths were dangerous, so we had to, uh, to deal with that. So the human being is a kind of a strange animal because it's got an intelligence, but that intelligence is about his only weapon. Bears have great big claws, and alligators have tails and great big teeth, and they can go do stuff, but, and, uh, you know, pythons can squeeze, and um, uh, cobras have venom and they can bite. But humans, we've even lost our hair. We can't defend ourselves very well. We don't have great big claws. We've got something that's very fine and delicate, the human finger. It's completely different than a dog's claw, except that it comes from the same biological background. You'll notice the dog also has five. He has four that he touches the ground, and then the thumb is up on uh, a, a little bit higher up. So we're looking at very, very primitive things to where this base fear that comes in. We call this <clears throat> the self-preservation instinct because it is instinctual. It's built right into our DNA that things are dangerous and we've got to protect ourselves. Okay. And so we can say then that that DNA, because it comes out of such a deep past, is quite ignorant of the society of today. Because, because uh, humans have learned to not be quite so violent with each other. 
if two different wolves from two different wolf packs meet each other, they're more than likely one of them's going to kill the other. Humans are not quite so dangerous that two guys can meet from two different tribes and they may spend 15 or 20 minutes before they kill each other. <laughs> so this is the baseline is, is that we are all afraid that we're going to get hurt. And so it's better to attack first. But a, um, an offense is a good defense is the natural place that we come from because we do it out of protection. Oh, he might hurt me. I'd better go get him first because if I if I let him hurt me, I won't even have a chance. I'll be dead. So I got to go hurt him first. And that happens in the way that every war starts. World War II got started that way. World War I got started that way. In fact, every conflict gets started from one group of people thinking the other people are dangerous and therefore we've got to go hurt them. The other possibility would be an intellectual way in the sense of the way that Islam was spread was through the sword. You, so when they came in to conquer, they gave the guy a choice. You can either join us and become a Muslim or you're going to die. That's the choice. But at least they gave him a choice. Before that, they would just kill him. So now they, they uh, uh, we're negotiating, and that's the beginning of negotiations for humans, that we negotiate and argue with each other rather than just merely kill each other. And that's the baseline. That's why we have a baseline of morality is because humans are violent. And they're violent just like every other animal. But we're capable of coming out of our violence, just like a dog that's, that lives with humans is capable of coming out a lot of its violence. But in fact, some dogs are so passive that they won't even defend their own territory anymore. Which is which is the main reason for having a dog. It's because the dog will bark when something happens at night. The intruders know that there's a dog there and the dog is trained to be vicious and bite. So that's, you know, we there it is because we think that this house can be invaded by invaders, I'm going to have protection. I'm going to have a vicious dog. So when we understand then that this is the baseline for morality is, is that at least we can teach people to stop killing each other, at least stop robbing each other. But the higher Buddhism is the Buddhism of not do, not only do we not harm them, we actually help them and benefit. This is called altruism. That part of us is in there as an instinct also. In fact, we can call this the nesting instinct or the motherly instinct. And we all have it to be able to nurture and take care of one another. We do that in the nest. Every mother nourishes and takes care of her infant child until the child is old enough to argue with mom and then all of a sudden it's an argumentative relationship rather than a nurturing relationship. So the baseline of the meta is to stop being uh, first off at that ordinary level and then at a higher more noble level it's to make friends with people. There was a while for years when the Dalai Lama was uh, kind of famous in the West there was a bumper sticker that was out and it says, my religion is kindness, Dalai Lama. All right. 
That's what he's pointing at, that his religion is being kind to people, to be generous to people, to be uh, uh, friendly with people. And this is the whole quality of metta, is to start making friends with the outside world. There are specific practices called metta. And that um, uh, there's various kinds of them, but the kind that I've learned and I've heard so uh, quite often that they teach in retreats is when people will sit and take the phrase, hello, Scott. Uh. Yeah, we're talking about metta right now and and eventually going into the Brahma Viharas completely today. So with with metta, we are learning then to become friends with other people. Now, uh, one could say then that that's the entire teaching of the Buddha. In fact, the Buddha said that himself, being friends on the inside and then being friends with other people on the outside. This is a noble way of living as opposed to being suspicious and dangerous and argumentative and violent with other people at the first level. And then when there's no level at all, just everybody goes around killing each other, robbing, doing what they want, that everybody becomes a warlord in their own mind. And the only reason that some people are not going to be a warlord is because they're sucking up to some other warlord just to get close enough so that they can kill him. That's why they say that there is no honor among thieves. But they will rat on each other. They will, because uh, everybody's trying ultimately to take care of themselves. And what we're teaching here is to turn that those instincts around, so that we're not dominated by the self-preservation instinct, and we are start dominated by the of uh, the more wholesome qualities of the nesting instinct, nurturing, taking care of each other. So this is where uh, the quality of metta uh, is uh, valuable. Because in fact, if we are hard on ourselves then we're miserable most of our lives because we keep being hard on ourselves rather than nurturing and friendly to ourselves. And once we learn really how to be nurturing and friendly and accepting of ourselves, because no one's perfect, In fact, at best, you could say that everybody uh, can come up to about 50%, maybe 30%. And we get about 30% of the things wrong, right. And we get about 70% of everything wrong. Humans compared to, uh, let us say, a species that that the humans think they are, are much closer to 80 or 90% successful. The actual human being is about 30% successful, but at least that keeps them alive. And so um, that ignorance plays in there a great deal for having false positives. We're ignorant, and so we wind up saying, oh, something's wrong here, and in fact, there's nothing wrong. And so we bring our fear to many different places and many different times, and the whole quality of metta is to come out of that so that we can be friendly with others, okay? So that brings up now the next item on the list. From Metta, we move into what is called Karuna. Now, I've actually known people, I've known an Indian woman whose name was Karuna, and so she pretty well knew what it meant. 
and I learned it from that way. I didn't learn Karuna out of a book. I learned Karuna from someone who I actually knew who had that spiritual name. And what Karuna actually means is not the Western mentality of compassion. But look at the word compassion. It means with passion. So if someone is being in a deal of compassion and they come up onto the porch here, am I supposed to be in that same compassion or have the same passion that they do? This is um, uh, what they mean by misery loves company. Or if someone is arguing, we'll argue back. We automatically start arguing back. We're in using the same defense mechanisms that they are. Another one is, is that when somebody's really angry, people around them get angry too. Also at a funeral, the whole crowd will wait and wait and wait and not tear up and start bawling as a group until the, the most important loved one. And maybe it was a son or a husband or a wife and they'll go up and lay on the coffin and start to ball. And then the whole crowd will start to ball. This is what funerals are all about. And it takes that trigger. And when somebody important in that funeral starts to cry, <coughs> everybody tears up and starts to cry. So look at all of these examples that we've got. Anger leads to anger. Argu- 